What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Weekly Walk-Off on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and we're bringing you a special Weekly Walk-Off on a Thursday this week without a weekly episode because this is the perfect time with just one game on Thursday to check in where we are in this crazy postseason and look ahead as we've got some of these awesome ALCS matchups coming up. So, Pat, where are you at right now? How are you feeling about the postseason so far? I mean, I, th- I think you summed it up pretty perfectly with crazy postseason. What, we're just over a week in from when the that first AL uh, wildcard game was? Yep. And things have just been pretty crazy through the first week, which is exactly what we've hoped. We had some fun series. We've got an epic series going into a Game 5, which is the only way that that series should be ending. Uh, you know, what a what a great first week. I think, I don't have the exact year in front of me, but it's been the first time that we didn't have a sweep in the DS in years. That's actually really surprising. Yeah, it's so awesome for the sport. We've talked a lot about the differences between the AL and the NL, but all these matchups were relatively even matched, Mm -hmm. and they were matchups that we could have seen and would have been just as fun to see down the road in the ALCS, and you usually don't you usually can't say that about matchups this early on. No, I agree. Listen, the only one I'm shocked at is your Red Sox. That is the only the only series that shocked me, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little my, bit. My caption was directed specifically I know, to you. I know. I That's why I apologized on it. <laughs> I said, told you so on a picture from when the Red Sox clinched at Fenway because I was at that game. The reason why we don't have two episodes this week but I think it was worth it for you. <laughs> I would say so, too. Absolutely. Even though I went to bed at 3 a.m. the next day. Anyways, so there's as we're recording, there is no baseball tonight on this Wednesday. When this episode drops on Thursday, we will get the f- series finale between the two best teams in baseball, By the far. Giants and the Dodgers. We've got a pitching matchup for the ages in Logan Webb, who threw an absolute gem in game one versus Julio Urias. Right off the top of your head, Pat, who are you giving the nod to? Ooh, you're really getting into it straight from the into start. Into the weeds. You're, you're, not even, you're not even letting me go through my numbers that I wrote <laughs> down for it. Um, listen, if, if it comes down to a straight pick, I cannot pick against the talent that the Dodgers have. It's the same thing that kind of was talking about last week. But this Giants team, listen, we know all about it. Most wins in baseball. They're 19-2 and in Webb's last 21 starts. Wow. and. Game one, he was fantastic. Seven and two thirds, ten strikeouts with one of the best changeups I think any of us have ever seen. What he was throwing out there for game one, this this game's got a potential to be awesome. I think Webb is better than Arias, but I just the Dodgers have so much you know postseason experience. There's such ridiculous talent up and down that roster. I have to give them the nod, but don't be surprised at all if the Giants win this thing. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way to put it. I'm gonna pick the Ast. I mean, excuse me, the Astros. <laughs> I'm gonna pick. Oops, sorry. I'm gonna pick the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but I would not be surprised at all if San Francisco wins. And to go even a step further, I would actually be upset at myself if the Giants do win and I didn't pick them. Yep. Because. Yeah. They're just, they're the, the most likable team in the playoffs, I think, by a runaway. Mm-hmm. They have the talent. I I just have to give it to the Dodgers here, too. Same. And I want to talk about Cody Bellinger. Ooh. Can we talk about Cody Bellinger? He was arguably the worst player in baseball Had this year. Had a negative war this year. I mean, 
you you jokingly say that about players that are really good that have down seasons. Not yeah, but, only did but no seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no seriously, he was one of the worst players in the league. Dave Roberts makes in my mind a very risky move by putting him on this NLDS roster and probably the only reason why he was was because Max Muncy got hurt and they needed mm. some first base flexibility. Cody Bellinger has been amazing in this series. He was two for four in game four. His RBIs in the wild card game, in the early games of the series, in game four, have pushed the Dodgers over the Giants in almost every single one of those settings. It's just one of those things that you bat 165 in the regular season and you see a couple good pitches and you make the adjustments. And I think the Dodgers can do that one through nine in the lineup. The Giants continue to prove us wrong, but I'm going to go with that postseason experience, like you said, and pick the Dodgers. Yeah, it, it's the way I lean to on Bellinger. I wish I had it directly in front of me, but it is his first multi-hit game. The last game was his first multi-hit game since I believe August, Man. which is just, it's crazy to think about. Some other numbers for this, because this is such just a fun thing. This is the fifth winner-take-all postseason game between two 100-win teams. Wow. Uh, you know, talking about, we talk about the collection of talent on the Dodgers, and I firmly believe that, and that is why I give the Dodgers the edge. In this series, Buster Posey and Chris Bryant are combined to hit 379. Everyone else on the Giants is only hitting 125. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're going to see that a little bit. But if you're looking for an X factor for the Giants, watch out for Wilmer Flores, who's slugging 527 with 13 home runs against lefties this year to possibly go out and hit a big home run for them. He's a, he's a clutch performer. He's done it a ton of time when he was a Met. I wouldn't be shocked to see him come through. That's on the Giants side of things. All of that said, I still think the Dodgers do get this thing done. Did you see that Lamont Wade catch and left yes. on Tuesday night? Yep. It's stuff like that. Lamont Wade Jr. was not an everyday starter for the Giants. And Gabe Kapler has so much confidence to put however many position players they have on that roster into any spot. I think Camilo Duvall could be the X Factor in this game. Oh, he's so nasty. (laughs) The best thing I can say about him, and honestly this is a microcosm of the Giants season, he hadn't recorded a save until the final week of the season. It's wild. And the only reason why that happened is because their closer, Jake McGee, got hurt. Mm-hmm. Jake McGee is now coming in in the fifth of the sixth inning, which I actually wanted to talk to you about. I assumed you would love that because oh, I yeah. did. Because it's the high it. leverage situation. Exactly. You throw away all the labels in the postseason and you put your best pitchers in the biggest spots. But somebody like Duvall, to see him emerge as a weapon, to see him pitching multi-inning saves is super serious for them yeah no you're so right it's like greater all for the uh for the dodgers you yeah know, it's true. That, that electric arm coming out of the back end of the bullpen and yeah I, i'm completely with you i love bringing mcgee in and, and different situations use your best relievers in the highest leverage situations do not hold them back until the ninth inning because you might not get to the ninth inning with yep. the lead Oh man, I, I could go to every single series segueing off of that comment. That's true. <laughs> but uh, do you think it's going to be a pitching duel or a high scoring game? I think it's going to be a pitching duel. Just okay. that, that Giants offense is really not slugging right now. And, and I think Logan Webb is such a problem for the Dodgers that he's going to hold them in check for, or mostly in check, I should say. Um, I So I, I, I'm going to go low scoring on this one. Who knows about those San Francisco wins, though? I know, I know. There have just been a lot of weird factors this entire postseason. But I'm going to say it's kind of in the middle. I think we see some power from Brandon Crawford in this series. 
I think Darren Ruff gets a hold of one. I don't think Logan Webb pitches as well as he did in game one, and there's definitely going to be a shorter leash anyway. But I think you're going to see some of these Dodgers hitters step up. You're going to mm-hmm. see more from Turner, both I... Turners, honestly. Mookie Betts has been incredible. Kind of a, a Bellinger story, a down year. He was still significantly above league, at, league average, obviously. Mookie Betts has been great. Everybody else has been struggling a little bit. I think yeah. guys, I think they start to find themselves in the last game of the series. You you mentioned the one guy I do want to spotlight for the Dodgers here. It's a Turner. It's not Trey. It's Justin. All he does is hit in the postseason. He is one of the best postseason hitters we've seen in the past, honestly, in, in this century. I expect him to come up big on Thursday night. It's just, it's what he does. It's like Christian Vasquez for the Red Sox. <laughs> he, except Turner is a better overall hitter. Vasquez just exclusively hits in big moments. Nowhere else. Uh, it's unbelievable how Turner turned his career around. Yep. He it's was a incredible story. A nomad. I think he was non-tendered at one point, right? Yeah, he yeah, by the New York Mets. Couldn't find a home. I was saying that actually just so you would have to say it. I'm Thank sorry. Thank you. I loved him on the Mets too, by the way. I was furious when they non-tendered him, and that's that is not me expecting him to turn into the Justin Turner exactly. that he turned into. <laughs> to one of he's literally on the list as one of the best Dodgers postseason hitters of all time. And oh, as you absolutely. Said, one of the one of the best postseason hitters, period. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. This game should be great. This is what it's all about. We deserve a game five. Actually, no, we deserve a game seven. But we unfortunately, do. I was just going to say that. <laughs> but unfortunately, it can only go to five. I can't wait to watch this game on Thursday night. Dave Roberts even said, if you are a sports fan, you got to be tuned into this game Love on, that. on Thursday night. It is going to be awesome. That's why Pat and I are going to bed early tonight so we can hopefully stay up for the entire thing. We will be trying very hard. All right, we're both going the Dodgers. We're not surprised if the Giants win, though, by any yeah. stretch. Luckily, we... the Islanders are play at 7 for their opening game on Thursday okay. night. So should should be done by the time Giants-Dodgers rolls around. A little bit of both. I like <laughs> a little that. bit of both. I like that. Where should we go next? You you pick, please. Do you want Do you want to usher in your celebration now? Yes, we'll I think I would. We'll just get it over with, I guess. I think I would like to do that. <laughs> so prepare for the next 35 minutes for me to talk straight. Now... When I say that this was the most improbable series ever, I don't know if you can, I don't know if anyone listening can come up off the top of their head with a series that was more improbable. I mean, nobody picked the Red Sox over the Yankees. (laughs) And then the Red Sox went up against the best team in the American League, if not the best team in baseball, and beat them in four games. I have a lot to say about the what the Rays didn't do right. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of that might have been different if it was a seven-game series. I truly believe that. But I'm going to say this for almost every single series I talk about. Offense matters more in the postseason. It looks like it, which I would never have agreed with you heading heading into this postseason. I always pick the better pitching side. We've seen this in, in most of the series happening so far right. that have happened so far and that are currently happening. The better offense has won out so far. I literally wrote that as a bullet point for every single one. Yeah. It's the Braves over the Brewers. It's mm-hmm. the Astros over the White Sox. Yep. And it's the Red Sox over the Rays. And then it'll be the Dodgers over the Giants. If, if that <laughs> ends up happening. Exactly. It, it is literally a theme throughout every single one. And this is why the, the one game wild card is so frustrating for teams. And even a five game series as opposed to a seven game series. Because it's harder. Or I guess it's easier for a pitcher to have an off night than it is for an entire lineup to be shut down by a pitching staff, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. 
The Red Sox have had cold stretches, but had, there has always been at least one guy. And in this case, it's been about six guys, mm-hmm. one through nine in the lineup. And they just got the raise in a five-game stretch that they literally didn't have all season. Shane Clanahan had a meltdown. He did. Shane Boz had a meltdown. Drew Rasmussen, Rasmussen couldn't pitch. There was a 13-game, excuse me, 13-inning game in the middle of it that mm-hmm. completely upended the pitching plan for both teams. I'm not even going to say the Red Sox got lucky because I don't think that's a fair or true statement. They outplayed the Rays in the ALDS. They did. No, they, they certainly did. And uh, just to look at this, the, we talk about offense, look at this Boston Boston lineup. Schwarber, Kike Hernandez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Alex Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez all finished the series hitting over 300. <laughs> I mean, are you serious? Like, how are you going to lose when your lineup is going that deep and everyone is hitting over 300? That is insane. I, I think we saw from the offense. And then, you know, you talk about Tampa had some of their, you know, the the pitching meltdowns. Someone who did not have a pitching meltdown is Garrett Whitlock, who mm-hmm. has been great all season long, deserves rookie of the year votes. Uh, you know, a .46 whip in the series is just a- almost as good as it gets. And then one note on the Rays that I think is really interesting. And listen, this is probably their plan, but I think we see that it can have holes in these series where you then ask these relievers to go again and again and again. <laughs> That's exactly where, where I was going to go. Uh, I love yep. it. Other than game one, no Rays starter went longer than two innings. Mm-hmm. And while I understand, you know, they, they, it's the line about they've got a stable throw full of flamethrowers. I can go out there. We know how dominant and electric they can be. It's really, really hard when every single night you get zero length out of the starter and you are relying on these bullpen arms to come in game after game after game and shut things down. And they just weren't able to do that against a really strong offense in Boston. You know what else matters, too? They were rookies. Mm-hmm. Cl- McClanahan? Boz, Boz Patino yeah. got a lot of time. He, he was did. a rookie. He was and the one that gave up the home run to, to Vasquez, right? Patino? Yeah, yeah, the walk-off homer in game three, exactly. And and um, Drew Rasmussen pushed less than two innings, too. There's just something to be said about the moment being too big or the offense being too good. And ex- it, it, you, you put it perfectly. It was their plan. I don't think Kevin Cash regrets it because also what are you going to do about it? You, mm-hmm. To expect Shane Boz to go out and pitch five or six innings is, I think, unreasonable. I think the same could be said about Rasmussen and Patino. McClanahan has, has always shown a little bit more length. But that's just not how they were built this year when Glasnow went down. Yeah. And they were able to make it work throughout the course of the season because those relievers were so good. And then McClanahan just came in in the third inning and exploded. I have a crazy number about this. So... The one game that the Red Sox got shut out of, it was game one. They're actually their only loss of the season, uh, of the series. McClanahan threw 82 pitches. That that was his shutout performance. Mm-hmm. Throughout the course of the season, he started just five games on four days rest, 12 on five days rests, and seven on six or more days of rest. He came in in game four with the series on the line on three days rest. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sox put up a five spot in the inning that he was in. I don't know, you know, who else do you go to? Again, I don't think Cash regrets it. But at some point, that plan just isn't going to work in the postseason. Yeah, and I think we saw, listen, the Rays, the Rays are, are one of those teams that likes to try different things. 
and and is going to try and you know utilize their talent in ways that they think will put them in the best chance to win that that's why they try to keep these pitchers you know with with those limited innings because they're trying to get the most effective effectiveness out of them transition to the next guy let him throw that inning go to the next one it's brutal to watch because it makes the games very very long (laughs) expect (laughs) expecting like seven or eight pitchers to come in every single game but it can be really effective listen the rays were the best team in the american league this year in the postseason things are just a little different and it's it's hard to ask that much out of your pitching staff. And as you said, a young, inexperienced pitching staff that has got a heck of a lot of talent. I expect to only get better as the years go on, but especially in year one for a lot of these guys, they they were asked a, of a massive, massive task, and they just weren't able to step up to it. I completely agree that these guys are going to be stars. Yeah, you I have to so. wonder how this series would have been different if Glasnow could have pitched. But what I keep thinking about is at what point are we going to label the Rays as an incredible regular season team that just can't put it together in the postseason? Mm-hmm. Because for now, two years in a row, the Snell decision is what is probably always going to define Kevin Cash's tenure if the Rays don't go out and win it all soon. I think the McClanahan decision is a smaller version of that. You decide to take out Colin McHugh, who was basically perfect for two innings, and you throw a guy that threw... You throw a guy in there that threw 82 pitches just three days before. I I think those are the same ideas, right? You rely on a bullpen that's been severely overworked because the analytics tell you that that's going to work better than the guy who's throwing really, really well right now. Sure. It reminds me of the Billy Bean Moneyball situation. The postseason just isn't a big enough sample size for the quote-unquote more talented team to win. Mm-hmm. And I say quote-unquote because I think you could argue that the Red Sox were more talented in this series. Over the course of the regular season, the Rays were the best. But things are just different. Small. It comes down to pitch by pitch. Every single pitch matters. Yep. And if you're going to rely on analytics that much, you have to be willing to look at the mistakes too, and you have to be willing to see that it's a rookie that you're putting in there who's never pitched on three days rest. And that just wasn't the right decision. Yeah, it's listen. They are the team that we know will change and morph over the off season. They're not afraid to go out and make moves that are unpopular. I expect to see the Rays right back in this situation next year. I don't know if they're going to be the best team in the American League, but I expect them to be very good with that incredibly exciting young core. You know that that I think is only going to get better, but. Uh, I, I'm interested what moves they make to solidify things because they took a risk. Listen, they traded Rich Hill. Because they thought yeah. they had enough pitching and they didn't need that veteran presence, that guy that can go out there and give you, you know, four good innings at least. Uh, they, they felt they didn't need it anymore, and I, I think that backfired a little bit for them. Especially, listen, we, we know that their whole season changed when Glassnow went down. Because yeah. if, if they had him to be their horse, I have a feeling things look a little different. Um, they you they tried to. You out of the, <laughs> yeah, the exactly. pen. Yeah, you, you move <laughs> a lot of things around. Yeah, it's, I have high hopes that this is going to be a very bright future. For, for Tampa, but this is a tough blow going, especially to a division rival to where, to your point, the Red Sox completely outplayed them in this series. Like, that, this was not a fluke that, that they came away with the series win. Um, but obviously a, a, a tough one for them to take. Oh, totally. And they traded away Diego Castillo, too. Another mm-hmm. huge bullpen, and bullpen arm that they were lacking in Game 4, especially. I want to say two more things about the Red Sox. You mentioned that Garrett Whitlock should be earning Rookie of the Year votes, and I agree with you. Oh, I also wanted to say quickly, Wander Franco and Randy Rosarena were absolutely incredible in this series. Every single time they came up, my head was in my hands because they did something every single time. It's absolutely remarkable what they do. 
especially Rosarena in the postseason. But you mentioned Whitlock. Another guy that should be earning votes is Chaim Bloom for Executive of the Year. Yep. Because you could argue that Nick Pavetta and Kike Hernandez were the two most impactful arms, and Garrett Whitlock, actually. Pavetta, Kike Hernandez, and Garrett Whitlock, and those were all three of basically Chaim Bloom's poster childs this season. <laughs> they Kyle got Schwarber Nick Pavetta, too. Kyle Schwarber. The only guy who really didn't make an impact was Hunter Renfro, and you still sure. have him in the lineup. He didn't play that great, but he's still obviously a really lethal in the field and up at the plate. Nick Pavetta has turned into a postseason hero. I want his statue up at Fenway Park. I absolutely love him. Kike Hernandez, it had to come down to him for the of walk-off course. moment. He's a postseason performer. Because he does. obviously, exactly. Schwarber at the top of the lineup. And then Whitlock. Every single yeah. time the ball is in his hands, he steps up to the moment and is an ace. And all those things, it's, it's sticking with Bobby Dahlbeck at the trade deadline and letting Kyle Schwarber help him with his plate discipline so that Bobby Dalbeck doesn't strike out as much. It's letting Nick Pavetta transition from a starter to the bullpen to take the weight off of both the starters having to go deep into games and the relievers who have struggled throughout the season. It's Renfro making plays in the field. It's Kike Hernandez's versatility in the field, too. There have just been so many things that Haim Bloom deserves so much credit for. Even Alex Verdugo, that's a Haim Bloom move, too. The yep. Mookie Betts trade. I'm, I'm debating... I have to, so my old, actually, I'll, I'll hold on that for a second because that is so tangential. The other thing <laughs> I was going to say is that I think Alex Cora is the best manager in baseball. Mm-hmm. He makes Most decisions, impactful, for sure. Definitely that. Definitely most impactful. Best relationship with his players. He makes decisions that a lot of other managers could literally get fired over, and they just happen to work. They just happen to work. You transition Pavetta to the pen, and he's amazing. You put Ryan Brazier in, in the wild card game, and he's amazing. It just continues to work. Even Tanner Houck, except for game four, he was absolutely incredible in this series. Everything just works when Cora does it. Yeah, no, Cora, as a Cora, I definitely believe is the most impactful manager. It's crazy how much that can change things around in just a year, right? Right, exactly. With the Red Sox. So there you go. Moving on to the ALCS. What a performance from them uh, to take over, to take out the race. Bottom dwellers in the AL East <laughs> last year to now all the way to the ALCS. What I was going to say is that I have an Andrew Benintendi jersey that I've been wearing to the games, and he was obviously traded. So I've been debating who should be on my next jersey, and I don't know if I cannot be Alex Verdugo after his performance this postseason. Ooh, I would say Devers would have been my, my guess. But. Yeah. It's a little obvious, you know? I'd, I'd love to have I, fair. a little bit That's more fair. of a niche pick. Even I had a Juan Lagares Mets jersey if you want to go niche picks. That is a little too niche, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just it goes to show how many improbable heroes there were. And now they face the Astros, and it's mm-hmm. going to be offense versus offense, and it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, you want to move into that series? Yeah, Astros, White Sox, man. Probably the... It had the least playoff feel because yes. really none of the games were close. Nope, none of them. Um, yeah, rough way for my my projected World Series champions to go. Unfortunately, um, that, it was. For that you. is, yeah, that is for sure. Listen, the the easiest way is what I texted you yesterday. I mean, the Astros just completely bullied the White Sox out of the postseason. It, it, it was as simple as that. Where even in the game that they lost to the White Sox, they scored six runs. That offense torched 
the White Sox pitching staff. It absolutely obliterated a staff that had been really, really good and really, really strong, you know, all, all season long. Kimbrel again imploded. You know, Aaron Bummer had some some rough outings there. Kopech, who I really wanted to see get time, he got time and he got hit hard. Um, for for the White Sox here, what we saw is that it's what we talked about going in. That Astros lineup and that Astros offense is so well put together and so deep and they do everything right. Uh, You know, on top of it, this is their fifth straight American League championship appearance. Their fifth straight. They're the third team in history to make five straight league championship series. The first since the Atlanta Braves of the 90s that made it every single year other than 1990 in that decade. And the Oakland A's did so in the 70s as well. Uh, this string that the Astros have been on, yes, of course, the cheating is thrown in the middle of it. But what they are now, it's still most of the players from that team are still there in that core, and they're still hitting the crap out of the ball. And that's exactly what they did to the White Sox. Yep. The only bullet I have for this series is, and I quote, Astros defy logic. Yep. End quote. What they did to this White Sox pitching staff is actually, it's kind of mortifying. It's embarrassing. embarrassing. No, embarrassing is the word. Absolutely, use it. So, if I had to define all of the starters, I think you put Lance Lynn in the workhorse category. Mm -hmm. The stuff just plays, he gets it done. Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito are more of the stuff guys. Cease has insane strikeout numbers, nasty stuff in the dirt, a ton of swing and misses. And Giolito is a little bit of a mix of both. Really high strikeout, really high velocity. And Carlos Rodon is an interesting mix of all of them. The Astros hit fastballs better than anybody in the league. And that's what the White mm-hmm. Sox's biggest bullpen strength was. Yep. So they don't chase, which took away a lot of the advantage that Giolito and Cease and Rodon had. And then it went to the bullpen and the 99 to 100 mile per hour fastballs that Kopech and Crochet and Bummer are throwing also aren't getting the job done because the Astros hitters are just too good. What do you do? Seriously, how do you combat that? You hope that your hitters can keep pace, and when the Astros are pitting up 10 runs, it's really impossible to do that. Nothing solidifies or nothing encompasses the embarrassment more that the pitcher that you paid three years and over $50 million to had to finish out the series in a nine-run game in the ninth. Liam Hendricks had to close out that game. I had to switch it off because I couldn't even watch it anymore. It's so sad. (laughs) It's so sad. The White Sox couldn't do anything at the plate. And I thought that that the Astros pitching staff was their biggest weakness. Mm -hmm. It was not. They had no no weaknesses in this series. They are absolutely. When they needed it. They are absolutely terrifying. Every single part of their game. Yep. Terrifying is is the perfect way to put it this Astros team is really really talented and they're pissed that the rest of the world still views them as cheaters and that is a very scary combination exactly and they have you talk about a lot of those same guys being there mm-hmm. and the guys you add are Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez yeah, exactly Jake Myers had meaningful at bats in this series seriously they defy logic No matter who you put out there, they are capable of hitting a grand slam at any moment. No matter what bullpen arm they put out there, are highly capable of striking out Jose Abreu in a high leverage situation. Everything clicks, and I think Dusty Baker is in a very good spot to get his first ring. He might be. 
he he might be um wow this team is so talented um if they didn't have that cheating background i think people would look at this astros team very very different differently for how talented it is because i know everyone loves to downplay them and of course listen they deserve all the slings and arrows for the cheating scandal but of course this this team is so good yeah do you think there's anything to be said about the white Sox, or should we just leave it at how good the astros are I do think it's a sign of just how good the Astros were mm-hmm. for, for that they completely just had their way with them. I, I'm incredibly disappointed that they went out without a whimper, basically. Yeah. A team that I think was so complete with how they were built with that pitching staff. They made the upgrades in the bullpen. They went for it with Tapera and Kimbrel. They got Eloy Jimenez and, and Luis Robert back. They have Jose Obreu to knock in those runs. Tim Anderson, I think, set a modern-day record for the most hits in his first six postseason games. Like, there are so many pieces for this team. They should not be obliterated out of the postseason. And they were. And I I, I think that's... As you said, I, I think that's very embarrassing. And now, I think a lot of it led into just the Astros were a wrecking crew. Yeah. But a team that good shouldn't have that poor of a showing. Yeah, there were, de- I mean, there were definitely arms that they could have gotten after. Mm-hmm. The the Jose Urquides, the Christian Javiers in the bullpens. Those guys are great. They are not unhittable by any stretch. And you would expect the White Sox offense to be able to do that. I'm not going to talk about the AL Central in their record against winning teams. Yes. Yep. I, I know think, that's the one everyone loves to go to. I, I didn't bring it up I think that's been overdone, but I think the White Sox lost steam. And I, I'm not going to attribute it to anything, but they just lost steam at a time when we thought they would be better than ever. When they got Jimenez back and when they got Robert back, Rodon kind of fell off a cliff. And Giolito struggled and C struggled with his command. And all of a sudden, all these advantages started turning into weaknesses. I mean, oh my God, Craig Kimbrell. What yep. happened to him? What happened to him? And it was just the, the combination of having that insane lead in the central that maybe they, they lost some incentive. I, I don't know how you can do that going up against an offense as intimidating against Houston, but they were embarrassed in every single game in this series. It was mm-hmm. not even close. No, you're right. On Kimbrel, his time with the White Sox, 23 innings, 31 base runners. Man. It's, the weirder thing, too, is how good he was at the beginning of the season. He was on Because bullpen arms struggle. Matt Barnes, a lot of relievers across the league have struggled. But to be that good and then to switch teams, to go to a crosstown rival, too, to stay in Chicago and implode like that is unbelievable. Yeah. No, it <laughs> it really is. Uh, unbelievable would be the the demise of the White Sox in my mind without yeah. down. But hey, that's what happened. Houston's Houston Boston is going to be an awesome ALCS. I'm so excited. And then to finish up the DSs, mm-hmm. I think you could say that the Brewers' offense also put on an embarrassing series. Ah, uh, they all of everyone's fears about the Brewers came true. Yep. in that series and that's what it, the pitching was fine you know it, it did its job the Braves didn't have offensive explosions they just did what they needed to do the problem with the Brewers is that they scored zero or two runs in three out of the four games mm-hmm. and it just I and thought four the, in the fourth <laughs> yeah like yeah. I, 
I mean, I thought that their pitching was going to be able to hold the Braves' offense in check enough that they'd be able to squeak things out, but no, 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 no. That Their Brewers' offense didn't show up at all. Braves' bullpen was phenomenal, and I think that was a question mark. The, not just a question mark, the biggest question mark for the Braves heading into the postseason. Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzak, Will Smith were all very, very good. Max Freed threw six shutout innings. Your boy Ian Anderson, I believe, was five shutout mm-hmm. innings and in his start. like The Braves did everything they needed to do. And this stat's just so insane. I, I have to read it out. Uh, Josh Hader faced two hundred. Same yeah, thing. You did. Down. Yeah. Do you want to do it? <laughs> no. Go ahead. Josh Hader faced two hundred and thirty-one batters this season. He gave up three home runs. Zero were to left-handers. And then Freddie Freeman strolled into the batter's box in the eighth inning of Game Four and hit the game-winning home run in the series. It's Freddie. I don't. We've talked about it before. I don't understand how the heck the Braves are letting that man reach free agency this winter, but he sent the Braves through to the NLCS. So that game ended, and Don Arcillo's first line was Freddie Freeman and the Braves are going to the postseason. <laughs> and my first thought was, oh, that's kind of brutal. You know, it's a team effort. Charlie Morton pitched great. Will Smith with the the, the perfect inning in the ninth. That's a little tough. And then I saw that hater stat. Mm-hmm. He gave up his first home run to a lefty all season against Freddie Freeman in the eighth inning, and also the first time all season that he was attempting to throw two innings. Man, wouldn't it what? be nice if Devin Williams could have came in though? What are the odds of that? I thought the same exact thing. <laughs> I was, if I was a Brewers fan, I would be so mad. And you're right. This was the series that was always kind of in my periphery. I watched a lot of bits and Me pieces too. of it, but I think it was mostly the time of the games. Yeah, they were afternoon really games time. for a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I looked up the box scores because my first thought was that the Brewers pitchers pitched worse than I expected. None of them did. No, yeah, they didn't. <laughs> Peralta had four scoreless innings. Woodruff had six six innings, only three run three earned runs, and then Corbin Burns pitched really, really well too. Mm-hmm. It was just that the Braves had the more timely hits, and the Brewers were ungodly with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Unbelievably bad. And you can't win games like that. It's not like the Braves hitters were by any stretch impressive. By any stretch. But when you can't hit the way that the Brewers couldn't hit, it doesn't matter how good your pitching staff is. It's that's when a a home run against Hater that would have been a big deal in the regular season suddenly becomes the end of the world because your offense can't put any runs up on the board. And it was the end of the world, as yeah. you said. Just that offense, just... It, we we talked about it a month ago with Francisco. It, it was how scared of you of this offense. Like, can it produce enough? And unfortunately, once the playoffs came around, they just simply could not. And the, the Braves took advantage of that. They used some timely hitting, some, some decent you know hitting with, with runners in scoring position. And the bullpen locked it down. And, and because of that, you've got the Braves heading back off to the NLCS. I think it's a bummer. I'm, I'm genuinely disappointed that the Brewers didn't get past, and I'm surprised because I thought they could do more, and I mm-hmm. wanted to see this historic pitching staff Me too. make this team go deep. And the crazy thing, too, I, I wanted to ask you this because I think the Braves are a little bit overrated. I, I get that at, the, at this point in the trade deadline, they could have waved the white flag after yep. losing Acuna, after losing Soroka, after losing Azuna. This just wasn't their season. And mm-hmm. everybody would have been fine with that. That's what most people thought was going to happen. Exactly. And instead, they totally revamp their outfield. They get a lot of production. Jorge Soler went down, and the last game of the series was COVID. That's a huge blow. 
But I think I think people need to pump the brakes on the Braves a little bit. Ooh. I think just as much as the Astros was the storyline of Astros over White Sox, the Brewers' inability to hit should be the major narrative out of this. The Brewers have more to focus on than I think we should be congratulating the Braves. I agree. I, I think leaving this series, the Brewers are kicking themselves yes. more than more than just being like like the White Sox. To your point, they got beat. They got mm-hmm. straight up beat by the Astros. The Brewers beat themselves here. They I think they were zero and sixteen with runners in scoring position. I, I think that's correct. Um, they they just could not hit. I, listen, I think this Braves team is talented, especially on offense, and now clearly they're dangerous when their bullpen pitches the way it did. We know how good Max Fried is. I think they can cause some trouble for either the Dodgers or the Giants. But um, to your point, I, I, if if I'm the Brewers, I'm, I'm very upset at, at themselves. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I did not expect the Braves pitching staff to be that good. No, again. that was the biggest surprise for me. Even their starters. The, the bullpen was definitely the question mark. But if you had told me Freed, Morton, and, and Anderson would pitch that well, I would have been stunned. They mm-hmm. really, really stepped up. But again, and then switching to the NLCS now... I just can't imagine the Braves putting up any sort of offensive fight against the Giants or the Dodgers. Ooh, so you've you've got that being a quick series against either one? Kind of. Kind of. Maybe. This is where it's weird because if the Giants beat the Dodgers, I don't know what will explain it. I think the Braves have more of a chance against the Giants. Mm. But the Giants could also beat the Dodgers tomorrow night. <laughs> they, they certainly right? could. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> So it's going to be that one, this one game fluke, basically, between a 107 game, 107 win team and a 106 game win team. Man, that was much harder to say than it needed to be. It is pretty difficult, right? (laughs) 107 and 106, and the Braves could have folded at the trade deadline. That's what Mm -hmm. we're looking at right now. Pretty crazy. The thing that's going to drive me the crazy, the most crazy for the NLCS is that if the Dodgers win, they're on the road in this series mm. because they're the wild card team, isn't that is, crazy oh my god yeah it, it's insane i'm hoping in the collective bargaining agreement that that comes up this winter they redo that to reseed after each um after each round because that's just not fair to have a 106 win team on the road to a 91 win team like come on now let's use a little bit of common sense here um but yeah i i do think either the dodgers or giants wins wins the nlcs no matter who wins that the the ds game on thursday night I do think the Braves can cause some trouble. I don't think this is going to be a complete wipe. I, I like that offense enough that I think they can make some noise, but I, I think either can get it done in in around, in six games, five if they want to call it a gentleman's sweep. But I, I, I do think Atlanta definitely wins one game, maybe two. Okay, I think that's fair. I, I don't think they get swept. I'll, I'll say that. Another former Dodger, I think that's going to make a huge difference, is Jock, Jock Peterson. It's yeah. Jocktober. Three-run pinch-hit homer. That's yep. storybook stuff. It really is. I mean, Dansby Swanson wasn't very good. Albies wasn't very good. Freddie Freeman always shows up. They have a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Charlie Morton on the other side, who's just a beast in the postseason. But I think it's going to be tough for them, either against the Giants' pitching staff or against the Dodgers' offense. I'll, yep. I'll put it like that. No, I, I think that's very fair. fair. And then ALCS, I will let you kick that thing off to start. You said that there was, well, paraphrasing here, you said that there was absolutely no chance that the Red Sox were going to beat the Rays, right? I said complete mismatch. <laughs> complete mismatch. I will happily own it. 
I think the logical thing to say is that the Astros are also a much better team than the Red mm-hmm. Sox. And I agree with that. I don't think it is logical to count out the Red Sox anymore. I, I agree with you. If I'm going to put it down on paper, I think the Astros win. I think the Astros win in six or seven. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox offense just shows up. I think it's going to be as good as the 2018 ALDS, where uh, ALCS, excuse me, where it came down to bases loaded. Andrew Benintendi makes the play of the year, that diving catch yep, in left yep. field with Alex Bregman. I think all of these games are going to be incredibly high scoring. It's going to come down to the bullpen, which is the weaknesses of both clubs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a super well coached matchup. I think the Astros win in six or seven, but I think if the Red Sox pitching staff, especially their starters, if hmm. Sale is an ace, if Evaldi continues to pitch as well. Eddie Rodriguez was amazing in game four against the Rays. Those guys could make a difference. Yep. No, I, I like where you went there because that's exactly what I was going to spotlight for the Red Sox. For the Red Sox to have a chance in this series, or to have a chance isn't fair because I think they have a chance, but for the Red Sox to win this series, they need that pitching staff, that starting pitching staff. And you said exactly who I was thinking of, Evaldi and Sale to or excuse me, Rodriguez and Sale yeah. to, to really step Evaldi's up. I, been so I, exactly. I feel like Evaldi's going to be fine, but they they need those two to step up and give them really solid innings here. We know the bullpen, like we said, Whitlock's, Whitlock's unbelievable. It's, it's where else can they get kind of those shutdown innings from. Houston is so good that I can't pick against them right mm-hmm. now. But, but as you said, this is not a series where – I feel that the Red Sox are out of it. They are not. Boston can win this thing, and they can win it in six, too, if things really go well. Yeah. But all that said, I have Houston in six with a possibility it goes seven. Yeah, I feel the same way. But now that I'm thinking about it, too, I think you could comfortably say that bullpens are the weakness for both teams. Yeah. But I also have more confidence that if Sale lays an egg like he did every time he pitched in the postseason so far— Tanner Howe can go out there and throw four innings. That's fair. Nick Pavetta can go out there and throw four innings of relief. He's going to throw his arm off. Yeah, like I, the, I mean, uh, I'm fine with it. Game, or yeah. he's going to punch <laughs> his chest so hard that he's going to hurt himself. That or too. cartwheel off the field and sprain an ankle or something like that. Whitlock can throw two really important innings now. Hansel Robles was really good in that series. I don't know the Astros bullpen as well. But I'm not thinking of a ton of names off of my head that can be as locked down as any of those guys that I just mentioned on the Sox can be. No, it's all about Ryan Presley, really, for yeah. them. That's as, it. Right? And, yeah. and I don't think they're going to pitch him any earlier than the 8th or the ninth. Yeah, they'll probably hold him. I love Kendall Graveman for them mm-hmm. as another really solid option. And then we'll kind of see how they mix and match you know, from there. Listen, Zach Grinke was coming in out of the bullpen. I know. Uh, for them. <laughs> so I wonder if they stick with that strategy in the CS. Yeah, listen, Houston's pitching is not great, but it was good. Definitely good enough against the against the White Sox. Lance McCullers is a stud right now for them. Uh, I think they have enough. It's mostly predicated on the offense, but I'm very very excited for the ALCS. Just with that that offensive matchup and the potential that we have every single night to see a bunch of fireworks. This is going to be a ton of fun. That's exactly how I was going to end too. We could pit, we could exhaust every single scenario of pitching matchups. What it's going to come down to is which team is going to have the bigger hit. What mm-hmm. team is going to put up more runs day in and day out? Because this is offense. This is offense, this offense, is offense. offense. Yep. I have two crazy stats that I want to hear your input on. The Ooh. first is about pitching. All right. And it's of the lowest 
of the 20 lowest ERAs this season, 13 were National League pitchers. And 10 of the 13 made it to the postseason. Mm. And the second, a little bit more simple, top four offenses in the playoffs were all AL teams. We're seeing a little bit of theme. (laughs) Neither of that surprises me. Just, you know, the the National League's kind of always kind of been predicated on pitching. And, you know, you think about, of course, the pitcher still hits as of 2021. I think that changes next year, which, of course, helps uh, suppress some batting numbers as well. And then the American League, we know with that designated hitter, with a lot of the offenses, which with the way that teams are able to be constructed, where they really can kind of go more offense laden. Hell, Kyle Schwarber's playing first base for the Red Sox yep. right now. <laughs> it, I think both of that makes a lot of sense, where they're really cool stats. Uh, but I, I'm not shocked and I'm not surprised. I'm not either. And it's yeah. just so funny that we're com- we're still going to talk about this. When we get to the World Series, we're going to ask the same question, which is going to matter more, hitting or pitching, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I, the, it just is the continuous cycle. Yeah. No, I, I think you're, it is, <laughs> you nailed it. It is a continuous cycle. All right, so you got to give me your new pick since, unfortunately, your team lost in the first round. I, I, res- I Again, I respect that you died on the hill. I really, I, really yes. do. I, I like to stick by my predictions. I don't like to change too much. I think we can use that as a life theme as well. Yes, um, totally fine with me. <laughs> but we, so uh, we, we got Astros over Sox, and then I think we both agree that it's Giants or Dodgers over Braves. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Listen, I... There, there's a part of me that really wants to say the Houston Astros is going to win the World Series this I year. Know. Like, I know. It, just, it kind of felt like that. And then just seeing that performance that, that we saw... Um, in the in the DS, oh my God, I'm gonna say it. I think the Astros are gonna win the World Series. Yeah. I, I'm gonna still stick with Dodgers over Astros. Well, you should stick with your yeah. pick because yours you're still in there. Um, but that but, is going to be an absolutely epic series if it yeah. happens. Oh my God. I think we're setting up for a great series. I, the Braves is the only one where you'd say, oh, that's not a ton of juice in it, and that's not fair to the Braves because sure. of how good that, that offense can be. But, you know, say a Dodgers-Red Sox, you know, repeat of what we saw a couple years ago. Dodgers-Astros, obviously what we saw a couple years ago. You get the Giants in it from how good yep. they've been and how long it's been since they, how I say how long it's been, like 2014. So it's a really <laughs> long time ago. Six years, uh, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Like, there's some mouthwatering potential yep. matchups here. Um, th- oh, this is going to be awesome. We got Game 5 tonight as people listen to it. <sighs> It's MLB postseason. I'm so excited. What do you think is the worst park to have to play at? Because we're talking about how how it would be a bummer if the Braves, Braves made it. Truist is no joke. Oh my, when I was there's watching none that of them game are bad. on Tuesday, oh my God. I would say of the teams left now that the Rays are gone, uh, and the, I, I don't think the White Sox ballpark is, is particularly impressive I didn't either. think so either. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, what's a guaranteed rate? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no bad choice now yeah. with, with with all the teams left. I think it's scared to play at Minute Maid, though. Oh, God. <laughs> Home Astros? Oh, God, man. Terrifying. Just terrifying. It is. It, Best it, time of the year. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm I'm so excited to get these uh, championship series kicked off. We're, totally. uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. But, all right, that will do it then for us on our weekly walk-off. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and fo- follow us on Spotify. Leave a rating as well as it really helps us out. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at DidYouHearPod. We are walking off into the weekend a day early this time as this is coming out on Thursday because we've got game five tonight. Hope everyone has an awesome weekend. Enjoy the baseball. And Emma, that's a wrap.